moments of dryness in your walk with God. Have you ever had seasons where you felt like you were just going through the motions? Have you ever done this? Have you ever wondered, maybe just only to yourself, but in your journey with Christ, have you ever wondered, is this all there is? Is this all there is? You know, the routines of gathering here like we do and uh, maybe Bible study, prayers in the morning and evening before bed, striving to be good, do the right thing, because you know you should. But have you ever hungered or longed for more? Hmm? Can there be more in our journey with God? More that we're invited to experience. More that we're invited to share. More that we're invited to be a part of. You know, I was born in a Christian culture. I was born in a faith-based culture. My whole family are Christians. My aunts and uncles and cousins are Christians. My Uncle Bob and Aunt Kay have been lifelong missionaries to the Philippines and Cambodia and China. My grandparents were Christians. Now they are all in the eternal presence of Jesus. Amen? So they're experiencing things I can only imagine right now. I was raised in the church. I was saturated with what we're doing right now. Church and Sunday school and vacation Bible school, all the awesome stuff that we just did over the summer uh, Christmas programs and plays, and best of all, church camp. Church camp was awesome. I got to expend all that energy and run around and do the stuff and uh, use all that energy that I no longer possess at all. <clears throat> These cabins were out in the dense Michigan forest, and our camp counselors they were from our denominational college, which was Huntington College in Huntington, Indiana. Anybody, any Indianaites here? But I looked up to them because I was just a little kid. I thought they were the coolest people on earth, because you guys are. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. But even within all that, God had more for me. As I grew into adulthood, I never really sought to walk a diverse path away from the faith. I never wanted to. I met my wife, Dana, at Northwest Nazarene College, and Dana and I are both very obedient uh, firstborn children. Now, are any of you out there like that? We, she has a younger brother. I have a younger sister. But we're the obedient firstborns, you know. I don't know if anybody can identify with that. I mean, neither of us ever thought about trying to push the limits. We never wanted to do anything that would hint of getting in trouble because we just couldn't take it. Yeah, not at all. So as a couple, we sought to walk with God and make an adult faith journey our own and to grow in that way. And yet God had more for us even within that. I attended Denver Seminary. I graduated in 2005. I enjoyed there a sort of scrutiny of my faith, of what I believed in, or actually what I thought I believed in. 
I never had to develop before that an articulation of my faith because I always lived among like-minded people. Everybody agreed with me all the time. You know. So I grew in my awareness of Scripture and knowledge of God, and that was a tremendous time of growth, but there was still more that God had for me to experience. Now, I've grown in my walk here at SCC uh, among all of you uh, through the pa- uh, teaching of Pastor Steve and, and many, many times have just been blessed by something new from Pastor Eric. I've done international missions with SEC. Any mission council people here? Like, oof. Those times were times of learning about the spirit realm, learning that we have authority in Christ, learning to listen for the voice of God. And yet, there was still more, even than that. Over the last several years, I've grown in a journey of discovery, grown in uh, discovery of what Scripture tells us of the riches, the more that can be had in Christ through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, through the empowerment that we can have as His children, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And this ongoing discovery, these things are what I want to share with you today. Does Scripture tell us that there can be more. Well, let's read together from Ephesians. I'm going to start at the very end of chapter 2, and then I'm going to jump over to chapter 3, verses 16 through 19. And if you have your Bibles, please open with me to Ephesians. And in him, you too, in Christ, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Does your soul come alive when you hear those words? That you may be filled to all the measure of the fullness of God. Can we even know how much that means? I think not. Is there more than just going through the motions? Is there more than just gathering like we do here, which is awesome, and being good people and and striving to do the right thing in the eyes of others? My friends, the more is real. The more has a name, and that is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit dwelling within you, among us, and upon you. And this manifests itself in several ways in our lives and in our walk with Christ, but it starts by getting personal. It gets gloriously personal as we strive to know God in our quiet times inviting him into those deepest recesses of our souls, 
listening for him to speak to us. God himself desires a restoration of that face-to-face intimacy with him. For us to come to the place where we are driven to the pursuit of God. To invite his presence in solitude, just you and him in that quiet place. The heart for this, the heart to seek God at all, is breathed into us by God himself. It's his idea. Notice Psalm 34, 8. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man or woman who takes refuge in him. Taste and see. He's inviting you in. He's inviting you into that quiet place. Just to in him to experience and find out. Matthew 5, in the Beatitudes, Jesus says this, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are we when we acknowledge our desperate, continual need for God, moment by moment, reaching out to him, inviting the Holy Spirit to indwell us, to fill us. Growth occurs in these moments when we seek to really know God like you would know your spouse or a dear friend, when we seek to know him, not just know about him. This has been my experience, and I have a long way to go. I try to carve out time, morning and evening. My family will tell you I'm big on using candles. Set them up and create a little contemplative space there. Now, mind you, these aren't flowery smelling like linen uh, chick candles, right? For me, it's got to be like the smell of uh, pine trees, you know, maybe coffee, uh, apples or vanilla, you know, a little more manly, you know, kind of, or at least neutral, at least something like that, something like that. But in these places, as we worship God and listen for his voice, the Holy Spirit can bring to mind and it can bring to death the parts of us that don't look like Jesus. The parts of us that would inhibit from receiving all that the Holy Spirit has to offer to us. Paul tells us this in Romans 8, verse 9. You, however, all of us, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit, if the Spirit of God lives in you. So as we abide together with the Holy Spirit in our prayer and quiet times, His passions become our passions, what He cares about. In John 14, 16 and 17, Jesus tells us this, I will ask the Father... And he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him. For he lives with you and will be in you. Asking for more of the Holy Spirit will lead us into realms of intimacy never before imagined. And... This is a place where we can fill our hearts with hope. Paul also tells us this later on in Romans, 
chapter 15. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. See, this hope doesn't come to us by our circumstances changing. Our hope comes in these quiet places when we cease to strive, when we cease to rail against, and we invite the Holy Spirit into those quiet innermost regions of our being. He will flood our hearts with the hope of heaven. So the more starts by being very personal and very precious, just you and God, but there's more. Because the more doesn't get to just stay there. The more involves our relationships and our connections with other people in our lives. The more enriches and makes more beautiful all of our relationships. Those people in our lives like family, church family, like all of you, friends, people that God puts in our path week by week. This has been my experience as well, and it's a perpetual work in progress for me, mind you. I, I have to get out of my own way all the time. And as I do so and allow the Holy Spirit, the throne of my heart, for the people in my life, for my family and friends and those that I encounter, the connections are becoming more beautiful. As I gaze through the lens and perspective of heaven, who I see in front of me and what I see changes. Now the more of the Holy Spirit even impacts how we behave. Who knows what's found in Galatians 5? What's there? Yes, yes. Free cup of coffee right there. Yes. Actually, I anticipated that you would know that. <clears throat> okay, that's great. Thank you. So Galatians 5, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things... There is no law. Against such things, there is no law, and we can't even live up to these traits by observing the law. Amen? These fruits are not of this world. I can't live these things in my own strength. I know this because I've tried. I've tried. It doesn't work. Not only can I not do this, there are days that I don't even like me at all. Yeah. The world around us doesn't exude these things. People are angry. Have you noticed this? Yeah. Seems like more and more that rage and impatience, entitlement are running loose and amuck in our society. Well, and even worse than that, because we've learned just this week of events in El Paso, and in Ohio. The world needs the more, friend. They need what we have. And the more we invite Holy Spirit to permeate our very being, our bearing, our approach to the people in our lives becomes seasoned with the love and grace of heaven. So 
Not only do our relationships become enriched, but they become empowered. Empowered relationships. Peter tells us this in his second letter. I love this verse. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Catch this. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature. You and I get to participate in the divine nature. That doesn't mean we just somehow look like God. Somehow we get to carry his authority, carry that presence, participate in the divine nature. Do these words resonate with you today? We have everything we need for life and godliness. When the Holy Spirit is poured into us, the dominion of heaven, the dominion of the king is realized in our lives and thus into others. Notice this portrayal from Acts 2 of the life among the early church. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe. And many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added daily to their number those who were being saved. Oh my. What a picture. This is what we're becoming together my friends, our fellowship, our connection, one with another right here in this room becomes heaven-breathed and heaven-empowered as the Holy Spirit invades our midst. Amen? But do we allow the Holy Spirit to reign, to influence, to invade, even in the very mundane things of life, even at the grocery store, even at the gas station? You know, as we're spending time with family and friends, how about our workplaces? Do we let Holy Spirit invade there? Now, Dana and I have been going to the same mechanic, the same garage for a very long time, probably 25 years or so, I'd say. And there's a certain man there, mechanic, very gifted, very skilled. He's been there this whole time. And year after year, he is very... Uh, skillfully maintained or repaired is more often than not uh, our vehicles with great integrity so I've gotten to know this person and he's become a friend of the family he now actually owns this business he's been there so long he and his wife will actually be here in this sanctuary next month at the wedding of our daughter that's how much they've gotten to know us and our cars yeah <clears throat> Now, in the early years of my connection to this man, I thought he had kind of a tough sort of look to him and demeanor and kind of a no-nonsense sort of mindset, attitude, which is fine. But years ago, the Holy Spirit enriched our relationship with each other, our connection. I had just gotten back from Tanzania, SEC trip in 2006 to Tanzania. Wonderful time. I mentioned that earlier where I was growing in my ability to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit, growing in a sense of more that God had for us. I came off that mountaintop experience and came back home, back here, 
and life resumed its normal routine, which for us meant, among other things, that the van we were driving needed work again. It seems like we went to the mechanic a lot in those days. But this time, I don't know if I was picking up or dropping off, I don't remember, he started to talk to me like beyond the usual. He started to share with me about his sister, who at that moment was very ill and lying in a hospital bed here in town. Now, we had never shared anything before, uh, much beyond the nature, status of my vehicles or superficial uh, conversation. But this time, I could tell that he was very deeply concerned, that this was weighing on him. And so, as he shared, I listened on a few levels of interest because we had never talked this way before. And in my former life, mind you, I would have said to him something like, oh, I'll pray for you. Yeah, I'm sorry. And then I'd, I'd probably walk away. But this time, something different happened. And as he's sharing, this voice went through my head. And now, it wasn't an audible voice, but it might as well have been because I've never been so clear about anything before. And this voice said, pray for him right now. I was stunned. And, and frankly, I was quite scared. It's like, really? Like right now? It's broad daylight and we're, uh, yeah, and he's kind of tough and, you know. So I wondered if it showed on my face. I don't know. But uh, finally, I uh, summoned up the, the courage to say to him, uh, do you want to pray about this right now? And I've never encountered a person more ready to enter into prayer. He said, yes, please. You know, let's do that right now. So we stood there. You know, kind of close together, and we had our heads bowed, and uh, we're outside one of the bays of the garage, and he's probably on the clock, you know, I don't know. And we prayed for the invasion of healing of Jesus to enter into his sister's life and into his sister's health, right there. Blessed moment. I learned later, much later, that uh, this man and his wife are believers, and they're very active in a church here in town also. But that day, the Holy Spirit changed what I see in front of me. They, they changed to let me know what was really going on. They changed what I see. When we seek the more, when we seek the indwelling, abiding presence of the Holy Spirit, when we're covered and clothed with his presence, it's going to rub off. It's going to rub off on everybody you come in contact with. Start looking for opportunities and buckle up because it will happen. So the more is very personal. The more involves interacting with others and the more gets even bigger than that because the more involves us being God's hands and feet to the world, representing his kingdom everywhere we go. My friends, you and I are the church. We are God's hands and feet. We are salt and light to the world. We are heralds and ambassadors of the greatest gift, the greatest treasure that is ever known. Amen? Amen. Amen. More is given to us. More of the indwelling and empowerment of the Holy Spirit because God wants us to partner with him to be his light to the world everywhere our feet take us. 
Right now, you and I possess the greatest treasure, the greatest power there is unto that very purpose. To illustrate this, I want us to consider anew the story of John the Baptist in the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew chapter 3. Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John, but John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? Jesus replied, let it be so now, for it's proper for us to do this, to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. So in Matthew chapter 3, we have John the Baptist, who's considered the last of the Old Testament prophets, proclaiming the arrival of Jesus. And Jesus referred to John as the greatest born among women. And yet a few chapters later, in Matthew 11, and this isn't in your outline, but in Matthew 11, Jesus said, the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than John. Now, why is that? I'll tell you why that is. It's because this morning, you and I have more. Yep, we have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. We have this morning, right now, something that John the Baptist recognized and he longed for. What we have been given, friends, is so incredible that all of hell spends its energy trying to keep the world from this message, from this truth. This is where their energy is focused because they know the power and the truth behind it. We were made for more. You can tell that to your neighbor. You were made for more. Made for more. Francis Chan, who is a pastor and author, he says this in a book entitled Forgotten God. We are not all we were made to be. When everything in our lives and churches can be explained apart from the work and presence of the Holy Spirit. We were not all we were made to be when everything about us can be explained apart from something beyond us, from the Holy Spirit. Ouch. But Jesus tells us this in the Gospel of John. I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. So Jesus assures us that you and I will do greater things than these in his name. We will prophesy. God will give you words for a friend or a neighbor, something that will powerfully impact and move them, something you couldn't have known on your own. Prophecy, a word from heaven, healing from Anything, anything at all, kindness, compassion, all of these go forth in the authority of Jesus and you and I possess that authority in our beings this very day in his name. And folks, this isn't a hard translation. Uh, anyone means anyone. You, you are anyone. I'm anyone. And greater just doesn't mean that there's more of us on the planet now, so there's greater numbers. No. In the Greek, greater means greater. You and I are destined to do and be greater. Amen? The Holy Spirit brings into our very being the dominion of heaven. The victory has been won. Thus, 
we can go forward with boldness and confidence. This wasn't a hard-fought fight, uh, heaven versus the legions of the enemy. This wasn't some, uh, you know, Rocky Balboa movie, you know, where he bears the battle scars of the conflict. No, it wasn't anything like that. It wasn't a fair fight at all. You and I are the children of the eternal king of the ages, and we are empowered this day by that very authority. We are his children. So pray for more opportunities. Pray for opportunities to represent Jesus to the world God has given you, the world in which you travel. You have more right now. You are God's empowered hands and feet. You are God's children, his heirs, his beloved, his ambassadors. <clears throat> Leif Hetland is a uh, author. He's a church and conference speaker. He's a president and founder of an entity called Global Mission Awareness and Leif Hetland Ministries. Now, God has sent him to several nations of the world, including the Middle East, and there, in the heart of the Islamic world, miraculous healings happen in the name of Jesus. Yeah? I've heard Leif speak on two occasions, and I actually met him once, face-to-face, -face. very engaging. He had a wonderful word of prophecy for me, which came true in very exciting fashion. Now, I didn't bring props up here like I did after Easter, but I want you to imagine three chairs, because Leif uses this uh, teaching that involves three chairs to symbolically represent Holy Spirit involvement and presence in our lives. Now, Leif talks about chair number three as those folks who don't know Jesus, those folks who need what we have and what we possess. And friends, we owe the world an encounter with Jesus. That's chair number three. Chair number two, Leif refers to as the soul-ish, the soul-ish life. There are wonderful, this is a Christian journey, mind you, Christian journey in chair number two, right here. It's made up of wonderful people who sit in this chair, who do wonderful things for others, for the name of Jesus. Now, there can be sometimes an emphasis on achievement and performance in this chair, doing good enough. It is also a chair that doesn't acknowledge that we can engage the world and be more than we can be in the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. You can build churches and programs with this by appealing to what is pleasing to people from chair number two. Chair number one, Leif refers to as the spirit life. This is a chair where people embrace all that scripture promises us concerning a life in which the Holy Spirit dwells within you and upon you for presence and for power. The more over here. This is not a chair where people strive and do hard work. It's more about resting in and receiving, as Ephesians said, the full measure 
the full measure of what God has for his children. Now, Leif comments on the first two chairs. He says this. He says, make no mistake, in chair number two, you go to heaven. You certainly go to heaven. But hear this, friends. In chair number one, heaven comes to you. Amen? Amen. Amen. Heaven comes to you. The empowerment, the indwelling, the promises of God for what he intended for to be a normal Christian life is all in chair number one, in the more. And you and I have the more this day, and we can experience more. Now, I want you to hear me on something here. Please don't hear me saying that anyone's journey has ever been inadequate or inferior. That's not my heart. That's not what I'm saying. That's not what God says or thinks. Because he loves you passionately just as you are right now. That's not what I'm saying. But I do want you to hear me say, whatever your Christian walk has been, whatever you've tasted, whatever you've cherished and enjoyed, whatever has been real for you, you know what? There's more. There's always more. The more of God, the ongoing gift of the Holy Spirit, it's not a performance. It's a communion. Our God's very relational. He desires to be known through encounter. Not merely possessing knowledge of God, but knowing him. The indwelling of the Holy Spirit is the greatest gift. The greatest gift we will ever know. So let us seek the more. The more of the Holy Spirit. The writer of Hebrews tells us this. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, open for us through the curtain. You know, when the curtain tore in two. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith. Through the Holy Spirit, we gain access, intimate fellowship by a new and living way. Through the Holy Spirit, we also take on the family resemblance, that divine nature that Peter talked about, and family traits and attributes, the gifts of the Holy Spirit that Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians 12. The gifts of empowerment and enablement to be the hands and feet of God. The God of the universe inhabits our very being. And we can and are growing into likeness of him. Likeness that includes wielding the dominion of heaven in his name. It's false to assume that the church's finest hour is behind us. Amen? Amen. Not true. There is more. The indwelling of the Holy Spirit is not a one-time experience, but it's a lifetime gift that is ours as we pursue the presence of God. And your search will not be in vain. This is the last scripture I leave you with. Jesus assures us this in Matthew 7. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you, for everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds, and to him who knocks, the door will be opened. Amen. Amen. Now I invite the worship team back up here at this time. We're about to conclude. But this is the path 
that Pastor Eric is leading us into, folks. The seven-year vision. The kingdom life groups where we meet and break bread together and we discover more of God and we even do mission out. The huddle groups. We're going to talk about more of those these fall. Uh, those huddle groups about discovering more of the ways that we can be God's hands and feet. And then Sunday worship and teaching. We are working and seeking together to be a family of God upon whom the Spirit of God rests. So I encourage you today to seek more in your walk with God because there's always more. Amen. Amen. To come up as we enter into a time of communion. On the night he was betrayed, Lord Jesus took a loaf of bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup also. saying, this cup is the new covenant, the more, in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And not only this morning do we proclaim the Lord's death, we proclaim what he has purchased for us. He is here in this place this morning. Embrace his matchless gift. Embrace his presence. Let him enter in. All has been prepared. So I invite you, please, come.